The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. If you didn't know, the Hoyas won. We are live from Hale Varsity Club, the H&H Chevrolet stage, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and we are happy to have Brian Christofferson on the phone with us, as we do every Wednesday. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Hi, BC. How are you? Career War 43-4, by the way. Not too bad. Career war for what? Yeah, I'm not too for, bad. How are you? We're good. We are. We are. Andrew is a little fired up over, <laughs> you know, the disrespect that Scott Rowland was getting as a Hall of Famer. Was, I didn't raise my voice once. Was not happy that he got the Mark Grace comparison. I said a better Grace comparison to the Hall would be Don Mattingly, and Don Mattingly isn't in either. More home runs, only 220 less hits, thousand less at bats, similar WAR, better slugging percentage. Mattingly's not in. He played three less seasons. I don't know. We, we we get rapidly. Is there a guy like that for you with the <laughs> twins? Is it Maurer for you, or are you like Hall of Fame and you're gonna you're dying on that hill? Is there a guy like that for your twins? No, I don't. I don't get caught up on that topic. But I I do appreciate people who uh, who are ready to box over it. I I, I like those people. So I, I I say keep chatting about it all you want. Did you have I to defend Puckett? I'm like. Um, no, I see. <clears throat> I never have really gotten into like that defense. I'm like, well, whatever happens, happens. I guess it's not me that it's up for. So I'm not going <laughs> to worry too much about it. But um, I, Kirby, you know, Kirby had a few things that happened after his career that kind of was unfortunate. But I, uh, Kirby was my man. There's no question about it. Kirby and Joe Maurer were like the two guys that like I grew up on, and Kent Herbeck, Kent Herbeck, who. Um, uh, p- pulls guys off the base in the World Series, but it it looked legal to me. That's that's all I know. <laughs> BC, are you continuing to be amazed at? Do you ever do you look at your calendar or your clock or your watch and you think, I know that there's still only 24 hours in a day. How is this staff covering so much ground in in in, in a day? Like, are are you kind of rechecking your calibrations at all? A little bit. It feels like uh, there's cloned uh, Matt Rules and Ed Foley's at least. I mean, those guys seem to be everywhere, or else they, they make better time than I do, uh, the way they travel, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, you'd have to, I mean, I know Trev Alberts did his radio thing the other night, and uh, it was all glowing, as you would expect, about the new head coach when there hasn't been a game played. But I do, I do think you'd have to just say, even the skeptics, you know, two months on the job, that's all we can evaluate. Uh, it's They're just workers. I mean, they are truly grinders, but they're kind of having – it seems like they're having fun while doing it. And I do think that personality piece is important. And Trev had a line about how 
you know, Nebraska football in its best days, people felt like they could see it and feel it like it was they were right there a part of it, you know. And I do think what he was getting at is maybe a little bit of that's been lost. And when you do have your coaches that, you know, can get out in the communities like they have with such force and, uh, you know, not just like stand in a line in a hall in a high school gym, but also, you know, they're in the, they're in the little uh, dining establishments in the small towns and stuff like that. They're just getting to know everyday Nebraskans. Um, I think that that counts for something. Now, that's not going to have you beat Michigan in a year or two. I understand that. But I do think for, for where we're at right now and what we can evaluate, uh, you look at the recruiting class, they're top 25 now in the 24-7 sports composite. Um, never would have guessed that a month or two ago. And, uh, the, you know, their portal action is all guys who, um, you know, are from Power Five programs who, at least on paper, you'd say, "Yeah, I'm willing to give that an interest, a look of of intrigue," because uh, the, the, they they got some guys who have had good resumes as recruits. So, it's uh, it's been a good start. We're talking to Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker247.com. You'd toss him a follow on Twitter at Husker247BC. Brian, you talked about, uh, or you you made reference to Trev being on the radio last night and something that really stuck out to me. And we talked about it earlier on in the show was him talking about rules, understanding of history, but still striving for innovation and how that kind of connects back Mm. to some of the best coaches that Nebraska has seen. T.O. did it with Devaney. You could say Solich did it with T.O. And now it's Matt rule doing it with both, both T.O. and Solich. Um, How does that uh, kind of, resonate with you and uh, maybe just the average Husker fan and what they can expect early on from this coaching staff? Yeah, that's a really good question, Andrew. Um, I think it's crucial that you do say, you're new here and you say, I understand what the history is and I love that about this place. I love this is a place that respects um, certain traditions and certain memories, and, and you hold on to those. It's not like you just have to forget about them. At the same point, um, the landscape of college football, we all know, has changed so dramatically. You've got to find what are the advantages of today. Like maybe three or four decades ago, um, it was getting ahead in strength and conditioning, which Nebraska did. And that's one of the things when you talk about Tom Osborne of yesteryear being a, an innovator as a coach, um, it was there. I mean, that was a big spot, but he did other things that were innovative, like even things that are small, like Tom would play in the kickoff classic and they would get, you know, a lot of extra money to play in that game before other people were doing it. Nebraska played in a few times and, uh, they put that toward like strength and conditioning and things like that. And so he, he was always thinking about what's a way we can help ourselves both, uh, you know, financially and other things. And, um, you know, now, we're probably talking more um, about um, NIL and stuff like that. But not only that, it's like uh, I've heard Matt Rule discuss, like, recovery of the athlete, like the body recovery. And, yeah, how you know, about just, that? Like getting them in the best. Yeah, I just think stuff like that is you're kind of taking it a different angle, like that's not always talked about as much in public. And you're saying these are little key areas we know is important to the everyday athlete. Like, you're, yeah, you're going to get beat up playing this game, but we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you mentally and physically, and these are the ways we're going to do it with this new facility and all this. 
And, um, of course, the NIL component matters. Um, so I, I think that uh, there definitely has been um, respect for what's been. He's, it, it's been said that Matt Rules talked to, you know, uh, Coach Tom and Frank Solich each a couple times at least. Um, so he's had those conversations, but I think those guys would also be the first to say, yeah, you got to sort of do it your way too and see what's the next thing where you can get an edge because that's the, that's the only way Nebraska football's. I mean, that's why it's been great. Uh, there's obviously been a lot of athletes who have, uh, toiled and given a lot to the program, but it was also just great thinking at the top that said, this is how we are a step in front of our neighbors, and uh, and Nebraska's got to find that again. BC, what do you think it is? Because you mentioned Coach Solich, uh, and of course that that uh, gets me going because um, that he is yeah, and that's my favorite. But it's the first time I've heard administration reference. Hey, this is probably a guy you need to talk to, right? He kind of he just kind of gets overlooked unless we're arguing about what should or shouldn't have happened in 04, right? So what do you think it is about Trev where he has made such a concerted effort to connect with Coach Solich to make sure that he feels as though he has the opportunity to be as much of a part of Nebraska as as, as he deems fit? Well, it probably helps. I would have to say that Trev's not an outsider in this case. I do think that's probably useful that, like, you know, he was there in that program, and, and, and obviously Coach Solich knows who he, he is as a player in person and all that stuff. And so, you know, that gets you in the front door as far as the conversation where there's, uh, you know, there's a there's more of a background understanding of each person when they're talking. So that, that probably helps. I, I would guess also that, you know, Frank was busy coaching for a long time, and I understand that. Like he, he's trying to win uh, up until a couple of years ago every week himself, and that's his focus, and he put everything into that. And so your mind is kind of there, and you kind of just have to keep on that path. And now maybe there's a little time to look back at some things throughout his career, and I bet there's – I hope there's people that are talking to him that are saying, you know, you're beloved here. And I, I would hope he understands that because I, I really think he is. And, yes, there was a lot of debate for a while about what should have happened or shouldn't have happened when he was the head coach. But, I mean, that's, we're, that's 20 years gone now, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're to, that, we're to the point where, I mean, and not, we're not just talking about a guy who was the head coach. We're talking about a guy who played here and was a freshman coach and was an assistant on the national title team's that's a guy who should be about as beloved as any Husker has been that's been associated with that program when you actually think about all the years that we're spending it. Um, and, and I think most fans understand that, and hopefully Frank does. Um, it, it seems like the door's been opening wider and wider, and you know I'm like everybody else who it would, it would be an emotional day uh, for him to come back some Saturday and be recognized and to, to see how that place would explode because I think it would. You know what makes my my heart kind of um, skip a little bit is you know, I was talking to uh, Rashawn Jackson yesterday. And a couple days before that I was talking to a, a, another former guy and, and we were just talking about 
you know, eras we would like to play in and, you know, uh, catching up with Amon, we're going to sit down with him and, and peel back some layers of the onion. And, you know, one of the things that really gets me going that I think is was missing, but I hope it's in Coach Rule just because of his personality with regards to Coach Solich is he was so tough, right? He, mentally mm-hmm. tough, physically tough. He trained with us. He taught us to be okay with cheering for somebody else if they beat you out or they were better than you. How to practice. And I and I and I and when I think about that, it makes me emotional because I wonder like where I would be if he didn't get me to come out of the backside of physical and mental toughness. I think that's his most under appreciated tool when we talk about all the what should and shouldn't have happened he mm-hmm. taught resolve man like that's the thing i love him the most for not to go all yeah. solo <laughs> no well i i i think that's the part too where you know there are factions of the fan base who when they hear the head coaches talking that to Tom or Frank or anybody, they're like, okay, come on. You know, you do hear those people that are like, what, just let's move on past that. And I'm not one of those. And what you're talking about is where, you know, th- that coaching fraternity is a special bond. I mean, I remember, like, when, uh, when Matt Rule did his, his interview with, with Will Compton and those guys, he talked about how, uh, Brad Childress, who he didn't even know, former coach of the Vikings, uh, messaged him out of the blue after he got fired at Carolina and says, Matt, you're going to be a better coach for this. And there's that support. It's, it's that support of I've been in that chair. I know the strain that goes with it. I know the highs and the lows, and I can connect you on this, that just people on the outside, they might think they can, but they just don't know it until they've been in it. And so, to me, when I hear that the Husker head coach is talking to a past guy who's been in that seat, I would say, of course. Of course they should. I mean, they, there's only, like, a few people who know what it's like to be there, to sit in that spot, to know what that's like every day with, you know, you're one of the, you're the most recognizable name in the state more than the governor. It's just that way here. And to uh, live that and, and do it well, I would of course I would pick their brains and you're picking the brains of guys who also, I don't think would ever say live, live just like I did it. You know, like you gotta, you got this is the template exactly like this. They know it's changed. And that's the, because those guys were innovators themselves and they know that the, there's always something that's moving it a little bit forward and you got to find that. But there are some basic tenets you can get from those guys in conversations that I would guess are very useful. Brian, at every stop so far for Matt Rule, it's always been a slow burn. It starts, it starts poor, and then it gradually gets better. But on Bussin' with the Boys yesterday, Rule said, I don't want this to be a slow burn. I feel like that year was last year. Mm. Do you feel that puts Rule at an advantage uh, in year one at Nebraska? Yeah, I think compared to his other stops, definitely so. And um, I think they're very – I mean, just, this is just listening to their quotes. I don't think I'm taking a leap here. They're pleasantly surprised at what's here already. 
I mean, they, that's the biggest part, I think. Y- yes, they've added some transfer pieces that you're optimistic you can plug in and, and can and give you another step. But, I mean, like, listen to Evan Cooper when he was up in front of the media talking about the DBs, and then you start to go through the secondary. Well, he's got, like, he's yeah, got he's the best ro- He's got the best room, though. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, like, I, I know. But, I mean, got dudes, but even, even wide receiver, Damon, you could go to wide receiver now. And that's I'll put a question mark on it until it's not because that's the way it should be. But there's guys there you're like that's interesting. Like they they that oh, yeah. could be yeah. something. You know, like you you think about Xavier and Isaiah. We we've talked about those guys, but you know, just the Billy Kemp, you know, popping in with a pretty good resume from Virginia and Marcus Washington. I think probably has a lot to prove. I mean. I just think, and you could go to running back. You could say, "Well, like, gosh, that that is that." When AJ, facts. Go ahead. Good room, BC. Not to interrupt you. I apologize, but you're right. That that running back room, and plus, I love Barthel. Like, that's a deep room. <laughs> that's a, that could be a sneaky good room, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I use the best room probably off the bat, but you can go through, and you're like, okay. That's pretty interesting, and that there, there's something that's been there that, that you know, um, QB. I mean, it's it, across the board, there's there's spots where it makes you sit up in your chair a little bit and say, it feels like they've got talent that's close. They're on the surface a little bit. They just got to pop through, and I think they see some of that. Now, they're not. I don't think they're expecting the moon in the first year or anything, and there's got to be patience with it. But uh, honestly – it's not as hard to win six games in college football as it's been made around here. We also need to come to that conclusion. Like sometimes you know, <laughs> someone will say, I think they could win. Yeah. You'll hear someone say, I think they could win six or seven next year. And then they get like shushed, like go to the corner. Like how dare you say, have you seen them? They have it. It's like a lot of people can win six or seven games. They can certainly do it a place with the resources Nebraska has. If a few things were put together, and you had the right people putting them together. So, yeah, I think it's very realistic for that to happen. And if someone thinks that's an out-there out opinion, I'd be like, look around college football. There's like 80 teams that make a bowl game. For some reason, Nebraska hasn't in six years. That drought needs to end, and it needs to end this year. BC, I don't want to – you're good at not playing the hype game, so I'm asking you, <laughs> how much or how portable – because Coach Rule referenced it – you know, you talk about you watch Nebraska beat Iowa in a game in which they didn't, you know, they've been awful against Iowa up until that point. Didn't have anything to play for other than pride, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because you know that's a big deal to me. Iowa had everything to play for. Then Iowa goes and they roll in the bowl games, um, so they're still motivated. How much of what Nebraska showed at the end of last year helps this staff or gets this staff to believe or even us, the fan base, to think, you know what, with, with more coaching and a few better players, the resolve seems to be there. The, do you think that? Or is that a different time period? We're now in 2023. I think you got to hit reset a little with each squad. But, I mean, there are there – are there's a good number of guys still back that were out on the field, and they they got that taste. I think it was a big deal. Dude, they could return eight defensive starters. Here. Starters. Yeah, that's the part. Like 
it's a pretty experienced defense that's actually coming back from Nebraska. Now, there's a spot or two where you worry yeah. a decent amount about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's the part where you wonder, okay, can they find that and really be like a top 40 type defense? Or are they going to be more, you know, middling than that even? This might be a small thing. I don't think it is. You know, around here we used to make, I think people used to make fun sort of of the trophy games the Big Ten has and all that stuff. And uh, then you would see Iowa run across Nebraska's field, uh, you know, (laughs) and have a party in your end zone holding up this whatever. It could be anything. It could be a milk carton they're playing for. But they're holding in the air, and they have it, and you don't, on your field. And it ticks you off. I mean, if you're – I would have to think of it. For Nebraska to go get one of those – I think it was a big deal to be on the field when that happened and for guys to go experience that and, like, like, you know, they went down the front row with that thing and showed it to the crowd, and it was just like, okay, I see it. This, I, this is big. Let's not give this back. I think there are going to be guys who got a taste of that in that particular setting, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something to them now, it's gonna, and it, it's going to help. Like, I don't want to give that back. I don't want to see them do that on my turf. So. I think stuff like that, it's maybe just a very small sliver of the pie. Maybe it's just even a crumb. But there's all sorts of little crumbs like that that are important, I think, from some late-season success that when you can transfer it over, and maybe that's one of them. We're talking to Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker247.com. Brian, as you talk about going out and getting something that you want, that is something Nebraska did last week when getting Eric Gilbert and adding to that tight end room. But – and you can you can say Eric Gilbert's the guy, and that's cool too, but based on what they have in the room already and how they keep growing that tight end room, do you see Eric Gilbert being the guy, or do you like somebody else that's already been there, done that with the program? Or how do you kind of, in your mind, how do you kind of see the tight end situation working out? Eight scholarship guys, and we blinked. Remember when we were like, <gasps> right. Yeah, I think everybody there. I, everybody there should right now be thinking that can be me. Mm. I think that's the first part. I mean, there's a there's a there's a new sheriff in town in that room. A guy who's been a head coach in Bob Wager, and um, you know he, he'll probably have certain expectations that maybe are even a little different than they've had, and and that can be a good thing too. Um, I'm not for any in any way going to write off like. Thomas Fedone or somebody like that if he can get fully healthy because I do know before he got injured both times he was it's practice I get it it's the season of fluff and all that but there was excitement about how he was starting to come along and so I haven't forgotten that so if he can get fully healthy and is invested in uh, the way I, he seems to have been uh, even when he was injured I think he could be a real threat in this conversation i think borkercher's uh me too a good player like, me too yeah I, I think sometimes you know a guy will have a drop or two in his first year and there you know there's a few plays you remember and so it's kind of like this there's this little cloud around him like okay i don't know but you got to remember he's the first he was basically a freshman or whatever last year so um he was playing a lot of snaps um probably earlier than most guys would so He's a he's a guy that you would expect in another year or two is going to be really solid. So I, I think he can be. Uh, but back to your question, I I think Gilbert with his 
there's a reason he was the number five overall recruit in that class. Like, his skill set and frame is ridiculous. I mean, he's like a defensive end who can run routes um, and and be a problem matchup. So if he's if if he has his stuff together off the field and can really find it with the staff, uh, what they want, and, and just focus in on football then, his talents will be fine, and he'll be the top guy, I think, if that's the case. So it, uh, it's going to be – it'll be fun, though. Could it all of a sudden be a deep room, BC? <laughs> I would say, yeah, but uh, I it, that's the fascination with this team. You could look at every position group and say they're not – they're basically put a question mark by him now, but – could it be deep? Could it be pretty solid? Yeah, you can almost do that across the board. So that's what makes it pretty uh, pretty fun going into the spring. Brian, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, B. All right. Th- thanks for having me, guys. Kevin Suits up next.